episode 114 of the Aggressive Progressive podcast, they don't even know how to attack Joe Biden. So they just make stuff up. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Hey, this is Chris Hahn. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I got a great guest later on, Joe Walsh, former congressman, former conservative radio host, anti-Trump conservative. Guy who I've actually become friends with over the last couple of years. I love the fact that the guy has basically owned all of his mistakes. And I think that's really all you can do in life is if you've made a mistake, own it. I, I tweeted something the other day that was a mistake. I owned the mistake. It wasn't good enough for conservatives. They still wanted to rag on me all day, but who cares? <laughs> it's like they've got nothing to complain about. Joe Biden just got back from his trip abroad. Uh, I give him five stars on this trip out of four. I think he, he did a great job. And I think we're really proud of him. I'm proud to see that America has an American president representing us abroad, not a president who may or may not be in bed with the Russians, may or may not you know, be in bed with other world leaders who have produced his products and hosted his golf courses. No, it's nice to have a man who we know is on our side representing us at NATO, at the G7, in meetings with other world leaders like Vladimir Putin. You know what else was great? Joe Biden went to NATO and didn't threaten NATO. Joe Biden went to NATO and talked about how great NATO is and how much we need NATO. Joe Biden was there to do what American presidents do. And that is a great thing. We should all be happy about that. Uh, But of course, they're not. You know, and I don't want to steal some of the lines I've already done with my interview uh, with Joe Walsh, but I got to talk about Kevin McCarthy tweeting out that Joe gave Putin a pass. Joe Biden did not give Putin a pass. And if 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 you want to call that a pass, what do you call what Trump did the other, you know, a couple years ago in Helsinki? What do you call that, Kevin? Did he get down on his knees in front of Putin? Like, what did Trump give Putin? I don't want to say too much. What did Trump give Putin? You 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 do the math, America. Uh, it is a nonsense statement. And, and lots of Republicans across the spectrum of conservative media and, and even the Congress were rooting for Putin last week. And that is despicable. It is disgusting. It is something that should not be forgiven in this country. But they don't have anything to say. They don't really have a game plan for attacking Biden. They really want to be attacking Kamala Harris because, of course, black woman, right, woman of color, easier target for them, right? They could sell their fear to their old white guy base a lot better if it wasn't an old white guy they were attacking. They just don't know how to attack him. So they make stuff up on a daily basis. They want to distract us with nonsense. They, you know, yeah. I don't even know what else to say about it. It just dry, it's driving me a little crazy. I saw Jim Jordan try to attack Jen Psaki yesterday, and Jen Psaki te- tore him apart. <laughs> it's like, look, never bring a Jim Jordan to a Jen Psaki fight. That's all I have to say. Never bring a Jim Jordan to a Jen Psaki fight, or, or anything else for that matter. Anything else that requires a battle of wits, right? It is, it is, he is a ridiculous human being. He's been in Congress for 14 years. He has never passed a piece of legislation. None. I don't even think he's had a post office named. 
So, you know, the guy is a joke and this is who they want. And frankly, you know, we just talked about Kevin McCarthy. I think Jim Jordan is as likely to be Speaker of the House as Kevin McCarthy, unless Kevin McCarthy's got something on Jim Jordan other than what we already know about Jim Jordan, which he covered up sexual misconduct placed on his wrestlers when he was an assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State University. Yeah, he covered that up. Looked the other way. Didn't care. I don't know what could be worse than that. I, I really, honestly, I can't think there's any, of anything worse than that unless he was the actual guy who was doing it, which there's no evidence that he was. But uh, yeah, I, I think Jim Jordan, if he took on Kevin McCarthy, we get a lot of votes uh, from his fellow Republicans because they like the loudness. All he really is is loud. That's all Jim Jordan is. He's loud. And he's got that whole, oh, I'm not going to wear a sport coat. I'm going to have my shirt sleeves on, blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. Give me a break. That's all I have to say. Give me a break. It's nonsense. Meanwhile, over in the Senate, uh, Senator Schumer, as we're speaking here, uh, you know, uh, this I'm pre-recording this on Monday night, It's so you're listening to it on Tuesday or later, will bring up the For the People Act in the Senate. It will be filibustered. And the question is, what do the Democrats, and it's not just Joe Manchin, who's out in front on this filibuster issue, right? Obviously, you've heard about Joe Manchin. You've heard about Kristen Sinema. There are a few others who are in that camp somewhat. What do they do then? Joe Manchin has put forth a compromise that would allow for voter ID laws in every state, something Republicans have been clamoring for for years. But there would be other protections that were offered in the For the People Act. Stacey Abrams says she likes the deal. Um, if she likes it, I like it. That's that's the that's my, my that is my measure on voting rules, on laws that would advance and protect. It's a building block, she says. There is no one smarter or more pragmatic, or, and, and more effective, frankly, in the Democratic coalition than Stacey Abrams when it comes to this issue. And quite frankly, when it comes to any issues, I, I mean, she organized and got Georgia to turn blue. And frankly, she's going to do it again. Now I'm concerned about these rules that allow Republicans to just replace election officials after the fact if they don't like the results and just disqualify the election. That bothers me. It should bother you. It should bother anybody who believes in democracy. But if Stacey Abrams is good with Joe Manchin's compromise, I'm good with it. And so should everybody else in the Democratic coalition. Now, what's Joe Manchin going to do when the Republicans won't even accept that, when they will block that from even being debated in the United States Senate. What's he going to do then? Is he going to change the rules? I said it last week. We probably could get five Republicans, maybe not on this issue, because they know that if you get rid of partisan gerrymandering, they will have no chance of controlling the House of Representatives ever again. Um, you know, if you if you make it easy for people to vote, they probably won't ever control the Senate again. I, uh, you know, I don't know that we get Republicans on that again. I don't know why some of these people are still Republicans because they see what their party has become. It's a party of one. I don't get it. I don't get why they're still there. But I want to see what Joe Manchin does. I want to see how he responds to what is clearly going to be obstruction on his own compromise. And that's going to happen this week. Does he then say, enough, we're going to reform the filibuster? We have on private tape him talking to some donors where he says he would consider reforming the filibuster. I think it's time to do it now. 
like I said last week, there are a lot of old people in the Democratic caucus in the Senate. Lots of people in their 80s. And some of them come from states with Republican governors. A couple of them do. We got to get on this now. We got to move. We got to move this now. So let's go with the Stacey Abrams, uh, Joe Manchin compromise, which I think is fantastic. Let's move forward and let's get it done. Because if we don't assure that we're going to have free and fair elections in this country, we won't have free and fair elections in this country because one party doesn't think that that's a priority. So we got to get it done. We got to get it done now. All right. So I got the great Joe Walsh coming up for you. Joe's fantastic. Listen to this interview and then I'll be back to wrap up the show. Joining me now, friend of the show, friend of mine, guy who I used to, you know, fight with basically on the radio and on TV. And now I, 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 I respect him and I love him, quite frankly. Joe Walsh is a former conservative congressman from the state of Illinois, and he's joining me now. Joe, how you doing? Hey, Chris, it's great to be with you. And I got to tell you something. I love you back, brother. I love watching you go at it on Fox News. It, it has been uh, it has been fun. You know, I enjoy it. You know, people keep asking me, why do you do it? I'm like, I love it. I love going into the I love going into the arena. I feel like a gladiator. I like walk out. Are you not entertained? <laughs> you know? And it's important you do. It's important that you do that. I think it's important that everybody talk to the other side. I remember when you got out of Congress and you started a radio show. I yeah. think I was like the only liberal who would come on it. Like, I, I mean, I, I got a call from somebody who used to book me on some other radio show. Hey, I'm, I'm booking Joe Walsh. Would you come on? I'm like, I'll yeah. go on. <laughs> you know, and we, and we would actually have. And the funny thing is, what, what surprised me about you is we would have these legitimate conversations about issues. And I used to because I used to think you were so out there when you were in Congress because <laughs> I only saw you when you were doing something extreme. <laughs> and then I'd have a real conversation with you. And it was like, wow, he's he's. He, I mean, I disagree with him, but he's not crazy. <laughs> so. See, I love that stuff, Chris. When I was in Congress, I was on TV all the time. I always loved going on MSNBC and CNN, where I was with people who disagreed with me. I preferred that way more than going on Fox. Exactly. I think you know what it is? You and I are very similar personalities. We like to mix it up, right? It's, yes. it's much more fun to mix it up than to be in a place where everybody's not in agreement. It's just not as fun. And it's a, you and I have talked about this before, it's a big reason why we're so damn divided in this country. People live in their silos and their little corners, and they only get information that reinforces what they believe in. It's a bad thing. Yeah, it is a very bad thing. And, you know, that's, you know, part of the reason why I want to have you on, I... I'm watching, you know, morning news a couple of weeks ago and and you're out there talking about how your your radio show has been been canceled in most places cuz even within the right they don't want to have a conversation that's not pro Trump and you you are, you are not pro Trump. You you split with the man shortly after he was elected president of the United States and it's amazing to me how much right-wing media has just decided that this is our guy, we're going to do whatever he says and if he doesn't like him, we're out. So it's, 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 it's not the first time that I was canceled on conservative talk radio. It, it happened before I announced my primary challenge to Trump. Uh, a few weeks ago, the owner of the network, Chris, is just a big Trump guy. He said, get that anti-Trump voice off the radio. Wow. And look, it's, it's his free world, free market, yep. his call. Um, but but the, the lesson is, and I'm not surprised, I'm disappointed. But the lesson is, I mean, you know me, I'm a conservative, but 
in conservative talk radio, Fox News, in that whole world now, you basically have to pay homage to Donald Trump every day. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't have a career. It's like there's a fear that he's going to tell his people not to listen to you. Meanwhile, he has no way of really reaching them anymore. His his website failed. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. I, I don't know what they're afraid of anymore. Well, because, and Chris, I, I still hear this from Republican colleagues of mine in Congress still who today will tell me, Uh, how afraid they are of him still because he's still the leader of the party and and they know uh, the voters are with him. That's what's always uh, propelled their fear. And it's still there. It's his party. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It really is sad. I mean, you know, they love to talk about cancel culture too, right? right? Meanwhile, you know, they won't allow a conservative voice anywhere near their media platforms that doesn't just not an agreement with the former guy. It's it's sickening. You do, Chris. You do. You do a lot of Fox News. I used to do a lot of Fox News until Fox told me three years ago, Joe, we love you. You're a great conservative, but we're not going to have you on anymore because we you oppose Trump. Wow. And, and, and they told me, Chris, wow. that they have to have Republicans and conservatives on who support him. They can have Democrats on who oppose him, right. but they can't have a good conservative on who opposes him. That's amazing to me. I mean, you know, look, uh, I, I love how they scream about this and then they do it to themselves. It's They're all about it. I mean, they're trying to cancel history. They, 14 of them don't want to vote for Juneteenth. They, they, you know, their new thing is critical race theory, which is basically teaching people that we had problems in the past. What's what's wrong with that? I, I was I learned that growing up. Look, Chris, the, the left. And maybe I think you've even been critical of some of the wokeness and some of the the cancel culture that's gone on in the left over the years. Right. But the biggest snowflake in the world is Donald Trump. Oh, completely. I mean, the proponent of cancel culture. He cancel. He wants to cancel everything. Oh, he told Fox to cancel me on TV. Yeah. He said it yeah. on TV. <laughs> you know, it's like he said it. Giuliani said it. He tweeted about it. It's not. It's it's not even funny. How often the guy, I mean, I, imagine, I mean, you, I don't need to tell you this. He, he, he said a lot of nasty things about you too, yeah. but uh, at least you were a member of Congress. I'm just a regular schmuck. <laughs> and he, and, he, and he, he, you know, I wake up one day and I got my friends telling me, you know, the president of the United States just tweeted about you. I'm like, what? Well, you're, you're a regular schmuck who's on his favorite station. So he watches right. you and he watches a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, I'm a character on his fear. I'm like I'm like Gaius Baltar on Fox News. I don't know if you get that reference, but it's yeah, a, I do. It's, <laughs> I am the Gaius Baltar of Fox News. So, yeah. So it's uh it it is it is kind of funny though. Well, look, I think here's the thing. I think that there is a place for you in media. I think you're a great media personality, frankly. I think you're a better media personality than you were a congressman. I mean, you. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, well, well, I, maybe Chris, but I disagree in that I don't think there's a place for me. I mean, the left, MSNBC and CNN, I go on there plenty, but they'll never really embrace me because of who I am politically. Right. And now the right, now the right has canceled me. So I, I really don't have a home right now. Who knows? I don't know, Joe. I think, uh, you know, you've got a strong opinion. You get the entertainment value of it, too, which is why when you were in Congress, yeah. you were so, you know, you were entertaining. Right. You know, there there are a lot of conservatives in Congress that probably shared your views, but you would go on TV and, you know, you had passion for what you believed in 
and you were entertaining. You would push the line and get attention, you know? Well, and, and Chris, you know, you know, because you've been in this business a long time, most politicians are really boring. Yeah. And, and they're so careful about what they say. They're so afraid. I, I was never that way. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you what I think. And it got me in trouble a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I can never run for office. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I can. My wife is a politician, believe it or not, but I can never run for office because I saw that. By the way, Chris, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's I mean, she, she she's got her own career. It's very separate from mine. She is a you know she she can she can talk to anybody. I you know I you know me. I like to mix it up. I'm animated. <laughs> My wife is. You're way too politically incorrect to run for office. Exactly, and she's empathetic, and she knows what she's doing, and she she wants to to work on the problems. You know, that's the thing about. Yeah her she's she's a real committed public community <laughs> ser- public servant i i am an entertainer <laughs> so it's a, i i'm an entertainer who used to work in politics who who you know for for seven you know for about 10 years of his career wasn't entertaining was actually doing the work but at heart i was always the entertainer uh and that's what makes us personalities in the media and that's why i think you know i don't know that you have any improv background like i do even though you grew up in illinois is the home of improv but it's right. you know, you know it, <laughs> right it is it's it's one of those things President Biden just got back from his trip to Europe where he met with the G7, met with NATO, and of course, the big meeting with Vlad Putin. And one of the things that's been driving me a little crazy is watching the right wing trip over themselves to try to, like, say Putin won, that they're rooting for Vladimir Putin. Reagan's rolling in his grave. There's a Chris, there's no other way to put it. If you watch Fox News 24-7, they're, they've been rooting for Putin. They were rooting against Biden. Some of my former colleagues, Republican in Congress, doing the same damn thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's look. It, it's an extension of the cult-like uh, party that it's become. It's it's all about Trump, and and they can't do anything and say anything that makes Trump look bad. Um, it, it, what drove me crazy, Chris, is. People on Fox News and other Republicans talking about Biden was weak. Yeah. Biden was weak. You can't freaking say ever that Joe Biden is weak around Putin after the last four years we just had. Joe Biden came out and said, I told Putin, how would you like it if your pipeline got a ransomware attack? I thought that was weak. (laughs) So what did he want to do? I mean, just, just think about, I mean, Chris, think about, what this country went through three summers ago, Helsinki summer of 18, yeah. that president, Donald Trump, gets out there. And what does he say in front of the world? I love Putin. I believe Putin. I yeah. stand with Putin. And, and my intelligence community can go jump. I, he said that to the world. Kevin McCarthy said, and I quote, I think Biden gave Putin a pass. And my response to that is, so did Trump give him fellatio in, in Helsinki? What was going on with Trump? If Biden gave him a pass, Trump was making a pass at Putin. I, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, when I saw that, I, I literally fell out of my chair, frankly. I did, too, because I know McCarthy. I served with Mark McCarthy. McCarthy, Chris, is a 100% political animal. He has no core. He would throw his mother, yes, under the bus to become speaker. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't believe Half of what no. he said. And you know what this he wants to be speaker. You know what's sadder? He's never going to be speaker. He will not be speaker of the House. And and I'm not saying the Democrats are going to hold the House. I think Republicans are very likely to take the House in 2022. 
gerrymandering alone is going to give him the house. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be Speaker of the House. I don't think that the wackos in that conference are going to give him the Speaker's gavel. I just don't. I, I think they'll well, give it to Steve Scalise, who is David Duke without the baggage, but I don't think they're going to give it to, to Kevin McCarthy. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, I think McCarthy would still be the front runner, but guys that I served with, like Jim Jordan and these other guys, 10 years ago, they couldn't stand McCarthy. Now they're aligned with him. Some guy on, some guy on Newsmax, I think, today, Chris, Matt Slap, another Republican who sold yeah. his soul to Trump. Totally sold his soul to Trump. Everybody did. He came out and publicly said, you know, there's a lot of buzz about if the Republicans get control, Donald Trump could be speaker. There is buzz about that, by the way. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they make Donald And I would see him doing it. I would see him doing it. Uh, well, I, I think that should be that should be like uh, at the top of every uh, House Democrats campaign ad. I mean, put that there. They have to. They have to put that there. I mean, that's to me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it would be hilarious. Could you imagine seeing him sitting behind the president of the United States when he's given the State of the I Union? I don't see how it could happen, and I don't think you do either because you have to work. You actually have to work at that job. Well, you do have and, to work at that job, which is which would make him so ineffective. Yeah, it would be great. But then again, look, there are 35 House Republicans, assuming they don't get primaried, that voted to impeach the guy. I doubt right. they would vote to make him speaker. But I also just think that Kevin McCarthy is so weak that he's going to get taken out by somebody on the fire. I could see a Jim Jordan taking him out. I, I, I know they're backing him now, but, you know. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll turn on him at the drop of a hat. But to your original question, Chris, uh, I thought Biden did a really I thought he had a great week abroad. I mean, think about what he did for four years. We had a president who embraced authoritarians and gave his middle finger to our allies in democracies. Joe Biden's got to reset that. And he began to do it this past week. Yeah. And 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 and, and I think that's great. Uh, you know, he went to NATO and didn't question NATO. You know, I I I, I, I could not believe that we lived for four years with a president who didn't support NATO 100%. I just, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I, it, it. It was mind-boggling to me. Mind more, what was more mind-boggling was that every Republican in this country didn't say, are you out of your mind, and correct him. Yeah, I, I, I hear and I agree with everything you're saying, but what I will always find more troubling is we had a president who embraced the bad guys. He yeah. embraced the thugs. He got down on his knees to Putin. Uh, Erdogan, uh, he, he bowed to Erdogan. Uh, China's Xi ran circles around him. And he get, think about what he did with Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Yeah. I mean, he loved these tyrants. Yeah, yeah, he loved a tyrant. I think he just, he wanted to be a tyrant. And he, he would have been a tyrant if he would have gotten reelected, I think. And he, if, or if he, he could have stolen it. Again, I, I, I know deep down you know that. He wants to run again. Yeah. Do you think he's going to run again? And do you think, yeah. I mean, look, if he runs again, he, he is the odds on favor to be the Republican nominee, given the state of the Republican Party right now. But I, if I, he runs again, if he runs again, the nomination is his. No Republican will challenge him. I mean, DeSantis, all these other guys, they, nobody will challenge him. And I hate to say it, Chris, he's. He's got a shot to become president. Of course he does. I mean, anybody who thinks he doesn't have a shot to become president is crazy. I mean, the guy's been elected president. He got 74 million votes. Granted, Biden got 85 million or 83 million votes. 
but he got 74 million votes. And basically, he was 40,000 votes away in three states. Bingo. You know, and, and that, you know, and granted, his voters are older, so they're dying and retiring to other states. But still, 40,000 votes in three states when you had record turnout, you're going to need to repeat that record turnout, at least on the left. Uh, to defeat him. And that's hard to do, especially given a lot of the restricted laws that have been passed over the next uh, last couple of years. All right. Um, you, you probably are more of a Biden fan than I am. I think he's done a good job and I'm supporting him. But let's be realistic. I love the guy, but he's 78 years old. Yeah. I get younger. Um, that boy, I'll tell you what, 81 or 82 to run for reelection. That's that's tough. It is tough. It is tough. So couple things happening simultaneously in America. Today, President Biden signed a bill creating the Juneteenth holiday, which is this coming weekend. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, it was last weekend. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and it's uh, fantastic. It got pretty much universal support with the exception of 14 ridiculous people in the House. And, and everybody's happy about that. But at the same time, there are voter suppression bills being enacted across this country, particularly in red states in the South that aim to kind of limit the participation of black and brown people and poorer people, working people, younger people. Um, you know, what is wrong? Why don't Republicans want to face the voters anymore? So I'll say this, Chris, as a former Republican congressman, as a former Republican candidate for president, as a lifelong Republican who left the party a year ago, I have been in a number of private conversations where Republicans have told me over the years, the more people who vote, uh, the more likely it is we're going to lose. Republicans know that, Chris. You mentioned a few minutes ago how the Republican Party base is an older white base. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and older white people die eventually. And uh, instead of uh, trying to win on the battlefield of ideas, win young people's vote and people of color's vote. Yep. What they're trying to do is just make it more difficult for people to vote. They know it, Chris, and they do it on purpose. Don't they know, though, that that just leads us down a path that is unsustainable for a republic like ours? I mean, you can't push people out of the electoral process, pass bills that don't favor them, that they disagree with, and expect to remain a free and fair yeah. society, right? Yeah, but, but, and I'll say this as a former congressman, when you're in elected office, all you do is you think no more than two years ahead. Right. And, and right now, these Republicans, all they're thinking about is we need to take back the House. So they're going to do whatever they can these two years to limit access to voting so that, that, uh, so they can accomplish that goal. And then they'll deal with 2024 beyond that. It's wrong, but that's they don't look more than two years ahead. Yeah, it's sad. It really is. I mean, it, it, it's almost it, it's pathetic, frankly. It, it, and it's uns- it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable. And you and I have talked about this, Chris. Look, I think I think as a national political party, I think we're seeing the death of 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 the Republican Party. I think it will become and is becoming a very strong regional party. But I think it's done as a national party. What replaces it? Like, you know, I keep asking this question. There are, you know, seven Republicans in the Senate who voted to impeach Trump, 35 in the House. 
Liz Cheney, we, we, you know, look, I've never agreed with Liz Cheney on anything except yeah. for Trump was bad, frankly. Right. Um, you know, where do they go? Why? First of all, why do they stay? Why are they still in that caucus? She'll, she'll, they'll get it. Adam Kinzinger and I are good friends. He'll, uh, he'll get where I was two or three years ago. Uh, he and Liz Cheney in private, Chris, they know they have no place in the Republican Party. They just can't say that publicly yet. I, I think most of them are going to do what I'm doing, which is basically hanging out as an independent to see how things shake out. There are a lot of former Republicans, Chris, that believe we should join the Democratic Party and try to keep it somewhat centrist. But most of us are just remaining independent. You know, I believe that you need to have two strong parties with competing ideas. The founders used to say ambition needs to counteract ambition, right? And if we just have one party that's reasonable and one party you can't even have a conversation with anymore. It's well, not good. That's not even, yeah, one party that's not even in touch with basic truths. Right. Uh, look, something will replace it. And and again, not to make this a love fest for the Democratic Party, that party's got its issues. And the energy on the Democratic Party is on the left, yep. even though Biden won. Biden won because we all came together to make sure Trump didn't win. Right. But the energy is on the left. And if the Democrats keep moving too far left, that's not where most. I, I got to tell you, I, I we we will see on Tuesday in New York State where the energy is in the Democratic Party. I I feel it's more in the center What's than gonna you happen? think. What's going to happen? I think it's going to be um, either Adams or um, I'm drawing, forgetting the name of the sanitation commissioner. Um, wait, wait, wait! You don't think Maya Wiley has a shot? I don't think, and I know Maya Wiley, and I love Maya Wiley. I don't think she's got a shot. I think she's going to come in fourth or fifth. Um, what, what, what happens? Is it just like the top two or three continue? No, it's automatic runoff. So you vote oh. for your favorite five people in, in descending order. And, uh, as your people get eliminated, it, it just, your votes go to your next favorite person. So, um, you know, I would think that Adams, the commissioner, I, I, I even think Scott Stringer, Scott Stringer is acting like he's a liberal, but he's really not. He's one of the most boring politicians you'll ever meet in your life, frankly. What's uh, the deal? Is, uh, is, am I right in that crime has become an issue? Crime is a huge issue. It's the number yeah. one issue, which is why I think Adams is going to win. I, I just think I've always thought Eric Adams was going to win from you know way back. I, had a, I don't know if you know who Ernie Anastos is. He's a friend of mine, a former broadcaster here in New York, a legend, frankly, yeah. in New York. Um, and we had this long conversation about three months ago about uh, Eric Adams. I just think his base is there in Brooklyn, African American, former law enforcement officer. I think it's an attractive candidate, uh, a center left candidate. He's not. There's no way you can call him a radical liberal. He's a former police hey, captain. Chris, did, did Yang never have a shot? Yang never had a shot. He was never going to get the New York Times endorsement. They, you know, they they considered him an empty suit. Right. He didn't have strong enough ties to the city, even though he he lived here a, lo- a large part of his life. Right. Uh, you know, it, it you got to really be active in New York City politics. New York City politics is tough, and you can't just yeah. you know you can't just swoop in. You know, Bloomberg. You know, they say Bloomberg just swooped in. He didn't swoop in. Bloomberg, you know, had one of the biggest buildings in Manhattan. Everybody knew who Bloomberg was, and he was in the right place at the right time and spent $100 million to get elected, uh, you know, of his own money, which was a lot of money in 2001. Yeah, and Chris, analogous to what you're talking about, the New York City mayoral race, look, last year in 2020, excuse me, 
uh, Democratic congressional candidates got pounded yeah. because of the defunding the police yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. it hurt them. It's a horrible issue. Joe, I'm out of time for you. You, you It's always fantastic. Where do, you, where do you want people to find you? Just follow me on Twitter, at WallStreetum, and I'll be letting everybody know what I'm doing next. Well, I can't wait to see what you're doing next. You're always welcome to come on this show and talk about it. Joe Walsh, great to have you. We'll see you next time real soon. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joe Walsh. I keep getting, you know, a lot of people, when I have Joe Walsh on, or when I have the Mooch on, or some of my other conservative friends who may not have even been as far out for Trump as those guys uh, were, at least in 2016. They're like, why do you have those guys on? I'm like, look, everybody makes mistakes, and I get it. It was a colossal mistake. But you know what? All you could ask is people own it, and those guys have owned it. And that's good. Joe particularly has owned it. And frankly, you know, Joe has pointed out, I mean, Joe is the clear example of how the right wing is fully owned by Trump. Joe is conservative. Joe and I do not see eye to eye on many policy issues. But he can't find a home in conservative media. And and you just heard him. He's great on radio. He's very entertaining. He can't find a home on conservative radio. Because they don't want a voice that's different than Trump's. That's it. It is It is somewhat insane how that party and that entire wing of this nation, the entire conservative movement is, is fully owned by somebody who isn't even really conservative. Who doesn't share the values that they have expressed for the last 40 years. I, I, it, it boggles the mind. That that's the case boggles the mind boggles the mind that conservatives who grew up in the Reagan era are rooting for a Russian dictator over the president of the United States in a summit. It boggles my mind. I don't even know. I can't even express. I guess I am expressing how insane it makes me, but it is insane. It is utter insanity. So a big week ahead in Washington, transportation issues, infrastructure, obviously the filibuster is going to play a role in that too. And we'll see if we can get a coalition of 12 Republicans, it looks like, and then get liberals in the House to go along with it. I don't know. We'll see. I'd like to see a giant infrastructure plan. I would. Uh, I, I've been driving, uh, I don't know about you. I've been driving, especially since the world opened up. I went to New York city this week, had a meeting, went in. Um, and yeah, it's really clear to me that we need some infrastructure improvements around our greatest city in this nation, significant infrastructure. I live 50 miles from New York city. It took me two and a half hours to get home and it wasn't even rush hour. So, you know, yeah, we need it. We need it and we need it now. And you say, hey, why didn't you take the train? Why? Because it would have taken me two hours on the train, both ways. So it only took me an hour and a half to get in. Took me two and a half to get home. So I basically broke even and at least I was in my car. Comfortable, listening to what I wanted to listen to. And if I needed to stop, I could stop. But yeah, I would rather take the train. If the train took 45 minutes because I'm 50 miles away, I take the train. But it doesn't. That's a problem, a huge problem. And it's also a huge problem that there's any kind of traffic at all. 
That needs to be fixed. It's ridiculous. Think about how how the lack of productivity in this country because of that. It's ridiculous. The the expense, the pollution. It all goes into it. It's horrible. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening. The podcast continues to grow. My Twitter feed continues to grow. Thank you for that too. I, I really do appreciate all the support I've been shown by uh, you know the people who listen to this podcast. Keep it up. Thank you. Tell a friend. That's the best way uh, for me to advertise is for people to just like this podcast. Give it five stars or 10 stars or whatever they let you give on your rating device uh, and subscribe and keep it up. And I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you will find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.